Hey everybody, it's Katie here. Thanks for tuning in to our next installment of The Mank Files. In this segment, Josh talks about the case Secrets in the Silver Lakes. So to go ahead and refresh your memory, because it was a long time ago that we covered this case, we've pasted the recap at the end, so you can take a listen if you want to refresh our course on this very, very special, special episode of Dateline. Thanks, everybody, and don't watch alone. We wanted to ask you some questions about some specific cases and see if you remember. These are cases that we've covered on our on our podcast. Um, the first one is going to be actually in regards to the pink gun mystery. Have you been inside Cowboy Church? Uh, no, I've not been inside Cowboy Church. No, I was not there the day we shot at Cowboy okay. Church. We're no. fascinated. We were the uh, fascinated. Everyone was that fascinated was, with Cowboy Church. We, yeah. And you well, guys I mean, just mentioned it casually and then went on with our lives. Yeah. And we were still, what? Go back to let's, the Cowboy Church. Uh, you yeah. know, sometimes we do these things called postcards from the road that appear on the on the website. Uh, and like it would be like like that. Like we'd go to Amarillo and we did do one, but I think it was about the Cadillac Ranch. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, you did. We mm-hmm. should have done it about mm-hmm. Cowboy Church. Too. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, I'm not usually involved with that. That's usually something the producer does. Like mm-hmm. shoot this little separate web feature on something that occurs in the town. And mm-hmm. usually it's nothing to do with the with the story we're covering. Gotcha. Um, our f- Patreon, Sean G, who also runs our Facebook page, wanted to ask you about the Missy Bevers, Beavers yeah. case, and if you thought there was going to be a resolution ever. Who knows? I mean, every law enforcement agency in Texas has been on that. Um, I mean, it happened in Midlothian, and, and they handed it off to, uh, uh, at one point, to the Texas Rangers, and at one point, I think, to the FBI. I mean, a lot of people have had their hands on that case, but there's no arrest. When there's an arrest, mm-hmm. we'll be sure to cover it, as I'm sure everybody else will. When did that happen? A couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Secrets in Silver Lakes. Oh, yes. Let's yes, talk we, about we really need to talk about that. One of the, um, one of the, one of the, one of the Dateline episodes that has everything and the other is Ransom. It, yeah, I yeah. love Ransom. Yeah, we got yeah, to cover mm-hmm. Ransom. So you have reported all around the world war zones, but were you more scared when you had to talk to the wolf pack? No, I love talking with the wolf pack. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they were a lot of fun, and they were very nice. And they talked to us a couple of times. They talked to us um, right after the crime and then again uh, yes. after the verdict. I think. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Her hair uh, color changed. Also, oh, your yeah. guys' outfits all changed. I yes. remember I was analyzing it to death because the first time you guys were all muted, and the next time you were wearing kind of a plaidy jacket. Mm-hmm. And then also you were in a bar. How do you decide if you're interviewing someone in just an office or a room? Yeah. One time you were shooting pool with the investigator. That was in Nebraska, yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, we need a very big room to shoot a Dateline interview. Really? Yes. Um, this room, for example, is large for, for uh, somebody's office, but it's not big enough for us. Oh. Um, we need a lot of room. So sometimes when we go to a town, you know, sometimes it's easy. There's a you know, banquet hall or something you can rent sure. or some big loft-like space. And we go on Airbnb and things like that. And we do all sorts of stuff to find big spaces. Um, but sometimes they're, the only big spaces are like restaurants or bars. And so we end up shooting there like maybe before they open. Oh, okay. Uh, that happens a lot. Um, we need a lot of depth to the shot. We don't want you right against the wall like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And we also, it's always better, to me anyway, it's always better if where you are, you can see that it's a real place as opposed to it's a dark room and we've put a couple of indistinct objects behind you. Sure. I right. hate that. 
You know? No, it's nice. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, like, it's sort of you know news from nowhere, kind of. You know. Yes. So uh, no, I was never worried about the wolf pack. They they couldn't have been nicer. And they, and in fact, I actually wanted to speak to more of the wolves. Uh, but I, we only, we, we only, want more dirt. Did yeah. you we get any know. more dirt? We only got those two. Yeah, there were there were a. There were a lot of great unconfirmed stories about the wolf pack. Right. I mean, none of them pointing to anybody else's guilt. Well, on the stand, Sabrina seemed to kind of out the whole group as swingers, kind of. She vaguely said that that, there were things going on with everyone. No, she did. Yeah. No, she straight out did. Seemed, I mean, as we said, there's not maybe not a whole lot else to do up there. Yes. Um, but, yeah. you know, I mean, again, look, that's not against the law. And no, I think, no. You know, my understanding was that this all happened sort of after the kids were put to bed. And, right. You know. Um, no, it seemed like they were all having a great time. No, yeah. I am like not going to lie. They're hanging out at the lake and yeah. drinking yeah. beers. Like and was, like, yeah. having yeah, a great yeah. time. And I, I don't know that they were all trading partners, but clearly that wasn't. Right. Uh, that wasn't shocking to everybody. Right. No. And there's no shame in it until someone kills because of Bathsheba in the Bible. Well, that, then that's when things that take the, an ugly turn. That's when that it, was, that's when it that was that, As I say, that had everything. I mean, that had... It really did. That had, you know, it, it had murder and intrigue and, you know, infidelity that was approved of and infidelity that was not approved of. Mm-hmm. And, right, exactly. You know, Bible verses used to justify murder. I mean, mm-hmm. it, was, it was just... General craziness. It really did have everything. Their theory was God wants me to fulfill my life's purpose. And in order to do that, I have to kill this man. So, okay. Um, I was surprised that she was convicted. I'm not sure I could have voted uh, in the jury to convict her. I mean, I thought there was a pretty good after the fact case against her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't think there's any question that Sabrina did not want that crime solved mm-hmm. and believed that, that, that Jonathan had had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But even he, in his flipping testimony, never was able to say, she came to me and said, look, mm-hmm. here's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. If you'll just get my husband out of the way, we can mm-hmm. live happily ever after. He couldn't recount any conversation like that. That's true. He said it started as a dream. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the guy who was there. He's the guy who pulled the trigger. Did uh, he make the original banana pudding? Uh, no, she, she did, right? She did, yes. She says that that's all utter nonsense, that she would never have put something poisonous in her refrigerator where her kids could have gotten it. Uh, I don't know about that. but um, And then there was the whole thing about they tested it out on a dog in the neighborhood, but no one could ever find a dog in the neighborhood that had pudding. died. And they, oh. and they looked. I mean, the cops really? went around to the neighbors and said, you know, any unexplained pet deaths that you know of, and I don't think they came up with anything. Um, oh, so I mean, that was a very, that was a, a very zealous prosecution. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think she didn't do a good job uh, on the stand. No, no and she, even her no. lawyer kept saying, "We want her to take the stand yeah. to show that she is not really smart enough to be the mastermind behind this." Uh, I remember I, that's really sad. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it sad. is. I thought I thought that argument might have had some merit, but she would have needed to say, "Look, I had the best of both worlds here. Right? You know, I had my husband who was a great father, and I was crazy about him, and we had all this fun together with these other people. Nobody cared about it. Right? And then I also had this." fireman who I was seeing on the side mm-hmm. who doesn't want to do that ladies you know mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. she and needed I was, to yeah you know and I was very happy I was fulfilled in all the ways that I wanted to be fulfilled and and so I would have no need to change either of those relationships and you know I didn't want my husband dead and 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 I had no idea he was going to do that he was crazy he was obsessed with me and now he's blaming me for it mm-hmm. but she sort of no she didn't do a good she job couldn't do it yeah you know? yeah uh, do you want to ask the most 
the question that you are dying to know? Oh, yeah. Do you have any idea why Kelly and Jason got divorced? Kimberly was really upset they about this. They were such a cute uh, couple. I, they were a cute couple, and they were both very nice. I don't know the answer to that. Oh, Maybe they're back together. We yeah. don't know. No. Life is long. If you're listening, you never know. we're shipping you guys. I understand. The, the, um, um, the only thing I remember is that uh, when I interviewed them the first time they were married, when I interviewed them the second time they were divorced, or yeah. at least divorcing, um, and uh, they sort of intimated that it didn't have anything to do with this case. Or oh. Yeah. Or we didn't. Okay. I think okay. they said that, yeah. But exactly what the issue was, I don't know. In conjunction with that, do you get asked to go out to dinner or to go out and have a drink with sometimes with the people you're interviewing? Do they, they like, want to be friends with you? You mean uh, you mean like like family members? Sure, or family yes, members or, or more forensic than, more people. Po- or oh, yeah, cops. I was thinking more than well, the police department. Certainly, I've gotten to know um, cops and prosecutors and defense attorneys over the years. Definitely, I know some of those people. I mean, that's how I became friends with Steve Pitt, who I did a story mm-hmm. about a couple yeah. of weeks ago. and we yeah. didn't cover it because it was too sad. That, was, right, that yeah. is a terrible story. Yeah, um, sorry. Uh, the great thing about that story was that we were able to tell in that story. This was. Um, this was called Unraveled mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the great thing about that story was that it was a story about domestic violence. Now, frequently, in fact, almost always, domestic violence is some facet of the backstory that we're telling. Um, yeah. I just saw a story uh, that Keith and Robert Dean, a producer, great producer of ours, did um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, which I was on the road so I didn't see it, called The Threat. Um, yeah. Um, about a, a guy who uh, was threatening John Lewin, the yes. prosecutor I was talking about earlier. And um, and he went to prison, but now he's about to get out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Lewin, st- even though this guy's very old, yes. uh, Lewin he's still, still, scary. still, still takes his, yeah. his threats seriously. And they told that whole story of the, the murder and the investigation and the threat and all that. And buried in there was the fact that there had been some domestic violence Mm -hmm. in that relationship. And that's usually how we deal with domestic violence at Dateline, which is it's always always some portion of the backstory. The thing I loved about the episode called Unraveled is Mm -hmm. that it was the main story. It was the story of Connie Jones Mm -hmm. who lived with this crazy, dangerous, frightening abuser for a long time, stuck around because she didn't know how else to protect herself and her son, finally got away from him, continued to protect herself at a colossal expense, both, I think, you know, psychologically and financially. And then when her husband couldn't find her, he killed a bunch of other people, including my friend Steve Pitt. That's terrible. Um, I think people think, well, oh, sorry, that um, I think people think that if it's domestic violence, it's not necessarily going to lead to murder, but it's a slippery slope. And it, it doesn't always lead to murder. If you're okay no, with but any sort of physical violence. Right. It, it doesn't always lead to murder, but it, 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 it could. It can, and it's, it's, it's something that has to be taken yeah, seriously. Yeah, it shouldn't be tolerated in any form. No. And I think uh, the police are starting to take it more seriously. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, our story was sort of about all the signposts that were missed by the guy that, that killed Steve and a bunch of other people, too. And... It's true. There are a lot of signposts that were missed in that case. You know, I think we're on a continuum. I mean, it wasn't too long ago. I mean, it was certainly during all our lifetimes mm-hmm. um, in which the police response to domestic violence was, okay, stop hitting her. Mm-hmm. Now, you two work it out. Right. Let's shake hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't make me come back here. Uh-huh. Right? Well, that obviously was something that police are not doing now in most cases, certainly not in most major jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Now there's a... There's a, uh, a widely uh, widely held policy by police departments that they'll arrest the guy 
even if you, the woman, drop the charges or say, I don't want him arrested or mm-hmm. I'm sorry or it was my fault or I didn't mean it. Or, still, you know, right? Yeah. They still take him away. Uh, I have a friend whose life was unquestionably saved by that policy, which it got this guy away from her. Got him away. And then she opened her eyes and stopped apologizing for him, which she had been doing. And and eventually he ended up going away mm-hmm. and he's out of her life. And it's because of because he was arrested that time. Because she tried to keep him out of the arms of the cops, and and they wouldn't do it. Well, we just had a case, too, actually, about stalking last week. Mm -hmm. What was it last week? When was... No, no, no. We did actually an older episode about stalking. Oh, with Lottie. Yeah. And it was was very interesting, too, to watch, like, because sometimes that's another thing that's not taken seriously, like the level Well, that's all sort of part and parcel of the same thing. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, controlling, threatening, stalking. Mm Mm-hmm. bothering, pestering, yeah. whatever you want Absolutely. to call it. Um, the really sad episodes are when the woman totally does the right thing. She leaves. Right. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. And, and then she gets hurt anyways, anyway. or other people get hurt anyways. That's so frustrating. Yes, yeah. it is. I want to thank you both for having me on, and I also want to thank all of your listeners, uh, because without all of you, we would not be what we are now, and we we count on you, and we appreciate it, and thanks for watching, and thanks for um you know, following us on social and all the other great things that you do and all the people who came to CrimeCon, including Claire, who was afraid to come up and actually talk to me. Um, And Lynn, who touched your hanky. And Lynn, who touched my hanky. And and, and that was a little frightening. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all of you, and we'll be on this Friday whenever this airs, and don't watch alone. Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode is called Secrets in Silver Lakes. And um, what was the first thing you thought of? Silver Lake. Yeah. Which is the hipster hangout. The hipster mecca. Yes. Hipster That's the mecca word I was trying to go of for. Of L.A. Of L.A. You yeah. know right away if someone is from Silver Lake. And it's bizarre because no one can afford to live there, yet everyone dresses as though they have no money. Yes. Silver Lake is a special place. It is. And the Silver Lakes are also a special place. Place. <laughs> Nothing like Silver Lake in no. LA. These people the opposite, the opposite of a hipster mecca. <laughs> but it was kind of like laking. Lake, I would call it laking, is their activities, which is you're on a boat with the beer and the American flags everywhere. That's something hipsters from silver lake would do ironically we took a trip to las vegas when we were youngsters and there's a split off when you're going to vegas from los angeles between going to laughlin which is where the river and the lake is and then going to las vegas you could always tell the difference between (laughs) the people Because the people going to Laughlin had big inner tubes and American flags yes. on the back of their trucks. Yes. And they were all in trucks and they're going to Laughlin. They could not give two hoots about Vegas. Interesting. So Does that a, have anything to do with Havasu? A, oh, they're all the same. This is all the same. It looks fun. Lake lake folk. Yeah. I want I want to go tubing on a lake. I would do it. I did it in high school. I would I would go. I might not go with this wolf pack, but I might go with other people. Wolf. This wolf pack was into activities that were a little too intense for me, but um, let, we'll get into that. So this episode, Secrets in Silver Lakes, aired on November 3rd, 2017. It is season 26, episode 6, hosted by Mr. Mankey with the Hankies. So this is in the Mojave Desert. It's a fake lake, of course. 
which is fine. I grew up fake by lake. a fake lake. Uh, their house was on Strawberry Lane, which is just so adorable. Um, we're talking about Rob and Sabrina Limone. They have two kids. They're a perfect couple. They never fight. They called each other Bear and Pooter, which is not a cute nickname. Pooter sounds to me like a farter. Pooter is an abbreviation for computer. I gotta go get my pooter. I've said that before, maybe. Right. When but you're being cute? Yeah, I, use, I think my old computer used to say Kimberly's pooter. Right. But I now that, think of that's it what like I of. you pooted. Like you sharded. Well, if her nickname for him was pooter, no, then of hers was probably. Bear. Oh, hers, and hers. And she, he called her pooter, I think. Oh, well, then she probably had cute little blonde farts. You know, she <laughs> she looked the part. Keep going. <laughs> okay, Rob was a mechanic, and Sabrina passed out samples at Costco. Rob enjoyed life, which w- really pissed me off because it was so close to loving life, and it just wasn't. Then we meet their friends, very important to the story. Friends, Jason and Kelly. We're going to just call them friend Jason, friend Kelly. They're the yes. people that are interviewed by far the most and two separate times. Yeah. They say that sunshine was coming out of Rob and Sabrina's butts. And I think he said butt instead of ass, which is probably what he usually would say. But Josh laughed at it. Mankowitz laughed. I think that he laughed because I think both of, I think Jason and Kelly were pretty candid and did not act very professional in the interview, (laughs) which also made them very enjoyable to watch because they were just laying it out there in very human terms. Yes. Here's how this worked. I enjoyed them because she oh, yes. was petty. She was wonderful. She was, yeah. I loved her. And if people on Twitter didn't like her, I don't care. I disagree. I really liked her because she was I honest. I am so glad you did because all of me was worried that you were not going to like her and I, we were going to come to, blows. to possibly blows over no. Kelly. I thought I wasn't going to like her. First impression, I saw the lack of the eyebrows, the draw it Drew, draw, drawn. Why did I just forget how to speak English? I don't know, but you're not allowed to comment on people's eyebrows if you can't say it correctly. (laughs) There's a dog barking outside, and I saw Hamilton today, and I'm just awash with emotions right now. So I think that's so. (laughs) Yes, so friend Kelly, I was sure I was not going to like because of her eyebrows drawn on. I loved her. She was our girl because she gave the gossip. There's one part yes. where she really, in detail, enacts what happened at this party. And I was like, yes. that's Katie and me. I have that written down. I have that whole scene. I was like, this moment yes. is when Kelly I, is... She won me over. And I started just calling her Good Kelly instead of Bad Kelly from the episode oh, with Oh, I Ira. like that. Okay, She's let's Good do Kelly. That. Yeah. So there's Bad Kelly, who's a witch and yes. casts spells on men. And then yeah. there's Good Kelly. Who Sean G, episode. our friend on Twitter, is in love with. What? Yeah, he's fallen under Kelly's spell, and he has a nice wife at home, and he admits that he is drawn to the darker side of Kelly, but he used his brain and picked a nice wife, but he is still drawn to the darkness of Kelly. So, Sean G, we need to do an intervention. You're being called out, Sean G. Yeah. On this podcast. She's a Wicca. unacceptable. But not the nice kind of Wicca, like Tara the, on Buffy of Vampire Slayer. She's no, like she's evil. the bad kind of Wicca, like Faruza okay. Balk on The Craft. What? Faruza oh, Balk yes. in The Craft. She's oh, the bad yeah. Wicca. I yeah. forgot because they started out as friends, and then she they went all mean on her. She went mean. Yeah, she did. You're right. I, yeah. totally, mm-hmm. I remember that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, this group of friends they call themselves the Wolf Pack. 
it's a bunch of young couples with kids. They drink a lot of beers on the lake, and they have their little pups running around, as they said. They spend every holiday and birthday together. And Sabrina and Rob are kind of like the prom queen and king of the group. They're like the nucleus. They throw the parties, and everyone wants to be around them. All the men, according to Jason, want to be like Rob. And all the women are like, why can't you be more like Rob? So apparently Rob is a great guy. Uh, A week after his 38th birthday, Rob, this great guy, is found dead. He is shot twice in the chest and in the chin. And Sabrina, his wife, wifey Sabrina, is a wreck. Well, he's found dead at work. Yeah, not at home. He's found dead at work. Yes. There's the sheriff of the episode, Detective Randall Meyer, who is like a ginger to beat all gingers. He kind of had a Ron Howard thing about him. A little bit. Right? A very monotone, toned down Ron Howard. Very non-animated. He's very serious, and that's why it's very exciting. And the few points that he does get animated, you know it's important. (laughs) I think it was Cindy who posted on Twitter their impression of what he was like when he finally figured out the killer and it was a gif of somebody just being like "Eh," this (laughs) smile that was like a quarter of a smile because he was very toned down the whole thing very very toned down so everyone loved rob they don't know who did it because his co-workers loved him his friends loved him his wife sabrina loved him everyone rallies around his wife sabrina to help her through good kelly speaks at the funeral for sabrina because she's too distraught to speak They have a couple leads, but they don't pan out. There's this suspicious motorcycle that's on camera, leaving the scene of the crime, but they don't know who it belongs to. Then, a couple weeks after the murder, the friend Jason, who's married to Good Kelly, gets a call from this dude, Jonathan, who is this young 24-year-old guy who he used to work with. He Wait, they're both firefighters, right? Jonathan and and Jonathan are. Okay. Yes. Jonathan's a paramedic firefighter, which I don't really know what that is. You're a firefighter and a paramedic trained to go into fires. He, or you paramedic for firefighter. I don't really understand. I have no idea is. how that works, actually. Yeah, I don't either. Okay. But Jonathan is this 24-year-old, really smart guy. He was homeschooled and grew up super religious. So he calls Jason two weeks after the murder and says he's being crushed by God and needs to apologize to both Jason and his wife. Very strange. So then Good Kelly starts telling this story a a year or two before the murder. And this is when I liked her, for sure. I was like, I'm into Kelly. So Jonathan is at this bar where there's this wolf pack party, and Kelly notices how weird Sabrina, the wife, and victim Rob, both were being about religious Jonathan, being there. Kelly was like, Sabrina, Jonathan's here. And Sabrina puts her hand over her mouth and is like, oops, what's going on? Yeah. Like, innocent? And then... Oh, like, like feigned that- surprise. Yes. Yeah. Why is he... That's odd. Yes. Like, not a normal reaction. Right, totally. Right, right. So Kelly was first, what is going on? So then Rob walks by, who later becomes the victim, Rob. She says... Rob, do you know Jonathan? He's a friend of Jason's from work, and he also, I should mention, knows Sabrina from the Costco where she works. Because religious Jonathan would buy all the supplies for the firehouse, so he would go to Costco to do Mm -hmm. the shopping, and he met Sabrina there because she passes out samples. So Kelly says, do you know Jonathan? And Rob is like, oh, yeah, Kel. 
Yeah, I do. But in a weird way. Like, she wasn't sure if he was faking that he didn't know him or if he was just... It was just weird. She just thought it was bizarre. And that's when I knew Kelly could be our best friend because we go home and analyze parties all the time. Who said what? Did you see that look? That was really weird. And you can't put anything past Kelly. Kelly retains and she doesn't just let it go. She's like, no, "No, that was weird. I know it was weird. Yes. It was weird. Yeah. And I liked her and her husband, Jason, because I felt like they were the kind of couple that would go home and discuss together. Which totally is would. what I want in a relationship. Exactly. Can I go home and discuss with someone and gossip? Okay, so this is before the murder. We've jumped back in time. So mm-hmm. first they run into him at this party. It's kind of weird. Then Jason, the friend, starts getting texts from religious Jonathan asking if he can hang out with the wolf pack. A lot of texts. First it's every couple days and then it's literally every single day. He's saying... Can I come hang out? I love you. You guys are a great group. I want to be friends with you. Can I hang out? And it's just weird. And then one day, Jason is hanging out with Rob and religious Jonathan texts and says, I really need to talk to your friend Rob. And Jason's like, how do you even know what is going on? So he says, I've been having an affair with his wife, Sabrina. So religious Jonathan, 24 years old, wants to now tell the husband, Rob, about the affair. Jason says to his best friend, Rob, man, I don't know how to say this. This dude's on the phone and he says, having an affair with your wife. And Rob says, I know. I found out a couple weeks ago. Let me talk to him. They talk on the phone. And then Rob comes back and says, we're all good. It's fine. But please don't tell the rest of the wolf pack. Because they're still the the queen and the king of the wolf pack. And they don't want their image to be tarnished. So it seems like the affair is going to be over. Everything's going to be fine. A year later, Kelly, our girl, goes to the Costco. Because Costco is where everyone hangs out, I guess. No, I think she was random. She's just going to pick something up really quick. Is how she made it sound. Was Costco like the Walmart of this episode? Or was Costco more like the pickup joint of this episode? No, it just happened to be. No, but I think that Costco is the Walmart of this episode. It was pretty happening. Kelly stops by Costco and she sees wifey Sabrina talking to religious Jonathan. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. After the affair was supposedly over. So she gets pissed. She goes home and she tells her husband, Jason. And Jason calls religious Jonathan and religious Jonathan says that the affair is indeed over, but that he and Sabrina have a spiritual relationship. That's a new one. Uh-huh. So Jason said, man, don't see her again or I'll get involved. Not having it. He's very protective over the prom king and queen of the wolf pack. And he was like, I'll be the regulator here and you cannot see him again. So, yes. <laughs> I just thought of something. What if spiritual is like... A spiritual relationship, and it's based on spirits. It's based on booze. We have an alcohol relationship. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that not funny? Spirits, no. you all? No. Because you're saying it's so weird. Spirits. Sensual. 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 Okay. Sorry. I thought it was good. I'm cool tired. Quip. I warned you. So- okay. So, Jason... Jason says no more. Yeah, so Jason says stop stop having the affair. And Jonathan seems kind of like a wuss to me, and he's 24 years old. So he's like, he's 10 years younger than that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure, sure, man, it's over. I'm not going to talk to her anymore, I promise. Now we jump ahead. It's now two weeks after the murder. Religious Jonathan starts coming around. 
He visits Sabrina. He brings her flowers and this gushing letter on how Rob was such a great man and he wants to be a great man like Rob was. Sabrina is reading the letter to Kelly, our girl, who fully says, I'm trying not to throw up. I am with you, Kelly. I wrote it down. I loved it. I, loved I was it. like, it's such a visceral thing. And that's what you're thinking. You're like, oh, I'm trying not to throw up. And she actually says it. And you're like, you're yes. the best. And worse is that when Sabrina is reading her this note from religious Jonathan, she's saying, oh, how sweet. Isn't this so sweet? No. She's like trying to get weird. Kelly on her side. No, yes. it's weird, Sabrina. It's weird that this guy is coming around two weeks after your husband didn't die of cancer after a long illness. Right. So we all knew it was coming. He was right. shot. Mm-hmm. Jason and Kelly are super suspicious. And that's why I love them because I liked that they would go home and analyze and gossip and go, I think that something's up with this. What is yeah. going on? There's also this really cute older couple on this one date. They said a dateline or 48 hours where they're like an older, older couple. And they describe one night where they're both laying in bed and the de- the husband just goes, are you still awake? She's like, yeah. And he goes, I think he did it. And the wife is like, I do too. Okay. And they got up and they started talking about it. And it was their best friend. That and is they're the best like thing in their I've ever 60s. heard. They both just knew it. And it was the, their best friend. Okay, so the friend Jason, which he kind of says what we're all thinking. If Jonathan did this, this 24-year-old, why would he do it? A, why would he do it for Sabrina, who is this... She's hot in pictures, but she's married mom with two kids. And this guy's 24 and has his whole life ahead of him. But and is a firefighter. It's and a, is fairly it's a great job. He's like build. Like he's, he's attractive. He's tall and kind of built. I did not find him attractive, but we've seen it many times before where a younger guy falls so hard for an older woman that he ends up taking out his wife. I've seen it on five date lines, 10 date lines. Happens a lot. Are they normally witches? The older Uh, women? No. no, Because her name is Sabrina. (laughs) Sabrina was a good witch. As good as Melissa Joan Hart could be. She was a teenage witch. So we don't know how she turned out later. That's true. She she could have gone to the dark side. (laughs) So then we find out, which I don't know why it's an OMG moment, because it's really not, because I called it from the preview literally a week ago when they first heard the preview. Sabrina and Rob, a few years ago, had invited another couple to swap partners with them. They had this preview that they put out on Monday on Instagram, and it was like this couple of young friends, this group, they called themselves the Wolfpack. I wrote Swingers. Right away. But then when they finally said it on Dateline, I was so excited. I was like, I knew it. I I can't believe it. I was I'm impressed that you got it from that. The only reason I got it was because they kept saying secrets. Yeah. They said secrets too many times. I was like, if you're really pushing home the secrets aspect, then... Right. Then we go, what kind of secrets? But did you know who they were in bed with? No. That that was a little surprising. Well, yeah. So... Friend Jason tries to talk to Sabrina and says, listen, religious Jonathan is bad news. He shouldn't be coming around you and the kids. He's creepy. And she blows him off and says, everyone has come into my life for a reason. Very religiously. Sabrina's sister. I didn't know. Okay. Sabrina's sister says that Sabrina was an emotional wreck, but also noticed that Jonathan was coming around way too soon. He was acting like the man of the house. He was cooking, and that was usually Rob's thing. And she did think that that was really suspicious. 
So Ron Howard cop figures out that religious Jonathan had a gun that matches the bullet that was in Rob's head and has a motorcycle that matches the video. Religious Jonathan's phone didn't ping near where Rob was killed. In fact, there was no activity on his phone at all at that time. But, for two days. Yes. For the day before and that day. Yeah. But no in activity. the days before, there were thousands and thousands of texts and calls to a burner phone. Very weird. Criminals need to remember it's not just the activity of your phones that can get you. It's the lack of activity. It can be like the phone goes silent for a few hours right during the murder, but the rest of the day you're really active. So if I was going to kill someone, right. I would pay someone, like maybe a homeless person, to just start using my phone around the area. Hashtag burned by the burner? Yes, I approve. I'm writing it down. Okay, I don't know why. So they tail, so I don't reli- <laughs> yeah, they tail religious Jonathan and they see him drop some motorcycle pipes into a dumpster. And now we're getting into the second preview the Dateline released during the week, which had Josh saying all about the secrets and the friends and a motorcycle in disguise. I tweeted and said, listen, Mank, I know these people are swingers. I figured it out from the first preview, but what the heck is a motorcycle in disguise? And he wrote back... That was my nickname in 10th grade. (laughs) He's the best. If he ever comes to... uh, He was in California. Dang it. This all takes place in Kern County. Mink, just tweet us. Call us. We could meet at a Caro's. I I don't have a problem (laughs) with this. Okay, it doesn't have to be Caro's. We'll buy you? We'll find a gastro pub. What kind of Caro's is is like Lions or like Denny's. It's like a Lions? Do you don't know what Lions is? Lions is like Denny's. They're all chain diner... Places. Why do you always go to that or like the Red Caros Robin? Pies. You always go to that. I don't actually go to those places, and but I w- I'm interested to. in them. Yeah, okay. I, I drive by. I drove by Carol's the other day and was like, I could go for a big pumpkin pie. I wonder how much they are. They had a well, sign. Josh did interview several people in restaurants in this episode. So they were in yes. like a fancy bar. They were in like a cool spot because mm-hmm. Jason and Kelly are cool. Jason and Kelly are cool. And in a lot of the, he was not doing Thai at all. Thai, I noticed he? that. He was sometimes. He's doing a more relaxed. Very relaxed. Sometimes yeah. I couldn't even tell if there was a hanky. It was very small. I don't know. So Ron Howard Cop starts to think that Sabrina might be in on it. Maybe she encouraged religious Jonathan to do it, as we've seen in many datelines. So he taps their phones, and we even see B-roll of him putting on the biggest headphones I've ever seen, so that yes. you know he's really listening to something. Like yeah, the, they were they were intense headphones. They yeah. were they were two hundred dollar headphones. We don't yeah. know about that. Were they yeah. Beats by Dre? <laughs> Dude, I don't think cops use Beats by Dre. I don't know. Did you friend? Meyer is he on Twitter? <laughs> no, but you know who followed us is the reporter Olivia, the blonde that was interviewed. Really? Yeah. Shout out to the reporter. That's cool. yeah. Okay, so religious Jonathan and wifey Sabrina from the tapped phone conversations are clearly not just in a spiritual relationship. They are, as Mankey says, lovers. <laughs> and I've repeatedly asked Dateline to not use that word. But I just sort of feel like they're messing with me at this point. Because I feel like it's in every episode now. Lovers. And he is not cute, Jonathan. I think he looks like a pimply teenager in the photos. Do you find him cute? I thought he was much more attractive on the stand. But then again, on the stand, he's 28 years old. 
so it's a little bit different. If but you can like, see my face. I see your face. I see the disgusted face. But I am disgusted from last episode, so I'm doing it a little bit on purpose. Because Clay, whatever, Andrew Clay. I didn't find him cute. I just thought he was well-spoken. I in no way thought, it, thought Daniel Clay was cute. He had slim, shady you hair. You seem to say he had a soft creased. manner about him. He did. He and was that, calm. That means that he's maybe attractive to you. No, and I don't like not it. even at all. I told you. A hard pass for me. Thank but goodness. I thought he was well-spoken. Well, I think Randall Meyer, Detective Meyer, would be a good match for you. So Really? The ginger? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. He's very mild-mannered. But then also, he doesn't seem like the type that would talk about cases. He'd be no. like, I can't talk about it and stick to that. And you, you'd you oh, be able to Oh, I would never that. go on a second date with him if he wouldn't give me any gossip. No. Yeah, and he wouldn't. He totally wouldn't. All right, no. so what did they find out when they tapped the phone? So on the phone, they're talking a lot about god's plan for them they're calling each other lover like good morning lover it's really gross so detective meyer starts interjecting himself to try to get them to say more because they're being really vague they're saying like i feel like such a bad girl that's what she says i feel like i've sinned but they never specifically talk about what they've done so Detective Meyer texts Sabrina and says, I need to talk to you. So then, of course, Sabrina calls religious Jonathan and says, "I need, he wants to talk to me. What do I do? And so Jonathan says, well, let's pray about it. And he prays to God to give Sabrina the right words to say to the cop. So Ron Howard cop tells her we don't have anything. The case is going cold. And Sabrina hangs up and calls Jonathan right away, tells him. Then Ron Howard Cobb calls and says, hey, we found DNA at the crime scene. This is great news. And Sabrina calls Jonathan. And Jonathan's first reaction is not, oh, that's great. They're getting close. It's, well, cops are allowed to lie to get a reaction. So Mm -hmm. he probably doesn't have anything, which is a really weird thing to say. Yes, it is. So Ron Howard Cobb is, as Josh tells us, tickling the wires. I know you're making a face already. Um, and he often found himself in the mood to tickle. Stop it. Now, this is Josh Mankiewicz saying this. Okay, this is not me. I'm, move on. Listen move to on me, from Katie. This. He is purposefully saying titillating things. I'm telling you, he says things like finger lakes right, a lot. But they don't. That I. Keith <laughs> and Josh purposefully say things in a titillating manner to titillate the audience members and they know we are going to laugh and get excited about it they know we're going to giggle they know it's going to be a giggle moment for the audience so (laughs) here's the deal when he said in the mood to tickle in this episode (laughs) i understood that yes you were going to be in for some conversation with me yeah but he was also going he was saying these things to a picture for the audience in an episode about swingers thank you where the word lover is used multiple times yes i i understand thank you thank you i appreciate that you're welcome okay good all right so keep going so then they start talking on the phone very specifically about one portion of the bible about (laughs) david and bathsheba I guess they had an affair and David sent Bathsheba's wife, I'm sorry, Bathsheba's husband into battle to get him killed so that he could have her. And God forgave him for doing that. And he got to marry Bathsheba. And then they talk how they've both sinned a lot, but they're not specific about it. 
And then Ron Howard tickles the wires by saying, Sabrina, I think we've ID'd the guy on the motorcycle. And Jonathan prays to God. This was the most vivid for me was he says, please, God, help me to live freely. I mean, that to me fully means don't have them catch me and lock me up, you know? So they arrest Jonathan. They feel like they have a lot on Jonathan. And they arrest Sabrina. But they have to release Sabrina right away because the DA feels that they don't have enough evidence on her. She was really just too vague on the phone calls, I think. She just kept saying, I feel like a horrible person, but she never said why she feels like a horrible person. In the interrogation, they try to push her and they say, we know you were in on it. We know you've told Jonathan to do this. And she just keeps saying, no, no, she won't give it up. So Sabrina is out free, but the whole wolf pack thinks that Sabrina is fully guilty. She is a pariah to them. So Sabrina's sister says that Sabrina is now just being harassed by everyone in this small town. They all think that she did it. She starts to have to homeschool the kids. But I think she was going to do that anyways because Jonathan was homeschooled. And I think that was Jonathan's influence. I think he was like, yeah, I was homeschooled and yeah, I'm a Bible-thumping murderer, but I'm still someone you should raise your children in his likeness. Because I am like King David. Yes, and he was forgiven by God, so I'm going to be forgiven by God. So Sabrina moves the kids out of town to get away from all the small town gossip while Jonathan is about to go on trial. Jonathan decides that unlike David, he wants to talk about Sabrina. I believe what Makewood says is that he was going to roll on his Bathsheba. David was going (laughs) to roll on his Bathsheba for a lesser sentence. So Jonathan admits every step of the way that he killed Rob. He fully admits it. But he says that Sabrina helped him plan it. He says she wanted to be with Jonathan. She was concerned about getting a divorce because it would look bad in the community. As I've said, they were like the prom king and queen. And the prom king and queen can't get a divorce. But there's no real proof. He doesn't have any proof. So it's just Jonathan's word versus Sabrina's word. He takes a deal that says if he testifies against Sabrina, he will get his sentence lowered to voluntary manslaughter. So instead of life in prison, he could get less than 25 years. And he's only 24 at this time, so he could be out before he's 50 for this. And he shot a guy in the face. But they really want Sabrina, so the cops agree to the deal. (laughs) The trial is televised live which I thought was hilarious, and I know I would have been so into it if I had known about it. I think it was pretty local, but everyone in Silver Lakes, they said no one did any work during the trial. That's they just I love it. All were wa- I, I want a trial like that. I want to be that invested. Now, I'm well, sorry I die, died. You can be I invested. Be I <laughs> eventually bite it, and then there you go. But will your trial be interesting enough to have all of L.A. fixated and watching? That's up to you. Because I'm going to murder you in an interesting way. No, because you're going to get some media buzz going. Come on. Okay. I'm going to go and weep and like fall down. I'm going to throw myself at the reporters. Get a lot of our actor friends and just ham it up. Yes. Make it a big deal. Okay. Throw a lot of red herrings in there. Oh, she had this crazy sister. Like throw things in there. You got to like, you got to get on it. Oh, that's good. I got to basically control the narrative. Yeah, or you know she has these ex-boyfriends. You got to do a whole thing. Okay, mm-hmm. there are so Come many on. suspects. Yeah, it's going to be like Clue. Okay, anyways. Okay, so Jonathan takes the stand and he testifies for seven days. That seems like such a long time 
to listen to Jonathan talk. Do you know why? Why? Because they played the wiretapping ad nauseum. Oh. They played it to the point where they said people in the jury were closing their eyes and (laughs) were being suspected of falling asleep. They were just sick of the wiretapping. Which also makes sense to me why the verdict that we hear about comes in fairly quickly. But I'm just saying they were sick of it. The judge was sick of it, was making jokes about it. Because well, they, honestly, like on Dateline, they only showed a couple minutes of it, and I was sick of it. And they played hours and hours no. and hours of it. I only yeah. had to hear Good Morning Lover, and no, I was and like, it, I'm out. By the way, it Bye, wasn't guys. Good Morning Lover. It was Good Morning, My Lover. It was My Lover, which <laughs> makes it so much worse. It was She said, Good Morning, My Lover, and she goes, Good Morning. Oh, God. It was a disaster. God is good. God is good. <laughs> 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 So Jonathan takes the stand, and I really didn't realize what a frog face he has. He didn't. He looked totally normal to me. No. And you're wrong. (laughs) I'll just say that right now. He says that Sabrina was unhappy with Rob because of their open marriage. She kind of felt like Rob was too willing to pass her around to other guys and should have cherished her more. Now, friend Kelly says that the open marriage was her idea. We don't really know. It's possible it was, but then she got sick of it. I don't know. But so she turned to Jonathan, told him all this bad stuff about Rob. And that kind of turned Jonathan against Rob and how bad he was. And that led to them joking about how great it would be if Rob was just gone. You know, it's just a joke. But then it goes from a joke to talking about, well, maybe we could do something about it. And their first plan was to poison him with banana pudding ew that jonathan (laughs) made i don't that so jonathan (laughs) made it so they chickened out though sabrina tells rob don't eat that pudding the bananas have gone bad i don't know why that bothered me so much because bananas just don't seem like they go bad to me they go brown they go bad they get mushy and yeah but they don't no it's true they do, you can still you cook with them after they have gone. That's how you make banana bread. You use like old bananas. Also, do you feel like it's a really good metaphor for their relationship? Don't eat that. The bananas have gone bad. I feel like. And then she gave him a look. Was it a moment? Could that well, have been a Lifetime movie moment? So there's an episode of Golden Girls where Dorothy's pretending that she's trying to poison Sophia for the money because Sophia all of a sudden thinks she's rich. And so Dorothy starts handing her tea a lot. And then she'll be like, don't drink that, Rose. That's for my mother. (laughs) And Sophia gets all freaked out and runs out of the room. So I sort of feel like if anyone said to me, don't eat that banana bread, the bananas have gone bad, I would immediately go, what the hell? You're trying to poison me. You're trying to murder me. Yeah. But Rob apparently doesn't pick up on that. Rob's a good guy. Rob is is not like us. He's not suspicious of people (laughs) giving him delicious treats. He didn't watch Dateline enough. So Jonathan admits that he decides that he's just going to do it with the gun. So he changes the appearance of his motorcycle, fakes a limp for the security camera, which is just kind of seems kind of stupid to me and didn't lead anywhere. And he paused at the door of the garage right before he's going to shoot Rob. And he prayed. Was he praying to... I don't know what he was praying for. Was he praying for God to give him the strength to yes, kill another yes, man? Yes, yes. Or for God, the God answer? Give me, God give me the strength to kill this person. Yes, that's what he's praying. Whatever. He's just... It, it makes know. no sense to me. Just... So, religious Jonathan, on the stand, he says that he and Sabrina 
had this catchphrase that they used for, first of all, it was how they could live their lives the way they wanted to. And to get to that point, they would be having to commit this murder. And that phrase is seeking purpose. So I'm a Jew, as we've mentioned five or six, like, thousand times. And I just don't... Okay, so is this a common Christian interpretation of the Bible? No. That it's fine to kill someone as long as it's going to help you live your best life? No. Is is that what the purpose-driven life is about? That book. Okay, and (laughs) second question... You could use that to justify killing almost anyone. Like, these people in front of me at the mall are walking so slow, and the purpose of my life is to get a soft pretzel in my mouth as fast as possible so I can murder these slow walkers because they are stopping me from reaching my purpose. From see, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is the soft pretzel in my mouth. So that's that's fine. And then God will forgive me. Because yes. I was just seeking my purpose. A hundred percent. So this That's is it. something Christians see when they read the Bible. No, this is something that delusional people see when they read the Bible. They take the Bible. This is a common, unfortunately, common practice for people to take the Bible and interpret it the way that suits them best to get the ends right. that they're trying to achieve. Right. So he, they are interpreting the good book in a really bad way. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Sabrina's lawyer. So then where are we? Sabrina's lawyer tries to defend her. She says that Jonathan is this great manipulator and mm-hmm. he did it all alone. They bring this other woman onto the stand who <gasps> apparently Jonathan had a gal on the side who he met online that was and a mini OMG moment, it right? It really, it was. Okay. And she is another older woman and not older, looks a lot like, like huge Sabrina. Older, but yes, yes. Another woman in her blonde. 30s, maybe blonde. And she mm-hmm. says Jonathan was so smart beyond his years. And that's the exact same thing that Jason said. But I see little evidence of that. He sounds smart when he talks and yeah. he uses big words and maybe modifying the bike was smart the limp thing was just stupid to me he didn't use a burner phone and he came around way too soon he made himself the prime suspect right away within two weeks so any sort of modifications Mm -hmm. or fake limping he did didn't mean anything because he was acting crazy suspicious within the first two weeks so i don't find him that smart brina says it's like it was like dating a dictionary because he used big words i was unimpressed but they try to paint him as a slick, Bible-quoting predator. <laughs> and Sabrina is just his innocent victim. So then this is our another OMG moment, which I had a huge reaction to. I really gasped out loud and scared Griff. I don't know why, because I had known from the beginning. But it was a little deeper. I, I was just so excited to have validation. Kelly testifies that not only did she and Jason know about the partner swapping, but they actually participated in it. (gasps) No! I knew from Wolfpack, Kim on Twitter, she called it too, because she thought the the, the term wife pack implies unnatural levels of intimacy. 
So she was... Wolfpacked us? Yes. Ah, uh, yes. interesting. Okay. Yes. And then I felt like... Two... Oh, and the fact that they all had t-shirts? Or yes. are you waiting for fashion police for that? But I, I mean, it's, it was true. a serious gang of friends. Yes. This is the people that go to Disneyland and they're all in identical shirts with maybe caps and, you know, yes. have walkie talkies and the whole jazz. Yeah. But it's yeah. part of the fact that they're all these kind of middle-aged dudes calling themselves the wolf pack. They're trying to be really young, hip guys. But in the reality, at night, when they go home at night, they're just kind of dads living in the suburbs yeah and so that, they're trying to that break out of that a one, that's what i'm trying to say they're trying to break free from that mold and right. their normal humdrum lives Correct. so josh mankowitz sits down again with kelly and jason the friends and we get a first person voiceover from him which was very rare. Did you notice yes, that? Yes, I did notice it. Of course I noticed it. He says, I'll admit, when I asked Jason and Kelly about this, I was in uncharted territory. Now, I thought he handled it very well, but I do wish we had gotten more questions answered because I, I wanted more details. So let's unpack this, what we know, okay? Mank says to the friends, Jason and Kelly, you had a sexual relationship with Rob and Sabrina. But you, Jason, never had sex with Sabrina. And you, Kelly, never had sex with Rob. And they say, correct. that's correct. And Mank says, well, okay, so what am I missing? And they say, that's like as specific as we want to go. They won't delve into it. So I start to think maybe it was some same-sex partnering. Maybe it was Sabrina and Kelly hooking up and Rob and Jason hooking up. But they won't answer. If I was Mank, I would have said, I'm sorry, I know this is NBC, but that's completely unacceptable, and the people want answers, and I'm going to give them answers. Who did what with who? We find out. I think we only got the tip of the iceberg. It's still very vague. Who else in the group was involved? Oh, yeah, I wanted to know that, too. Okay. I, so, I could not find that out, and no. I tried. So Kelly takes the witness stand, and she gives a little bit more. She says it was usually Sabrina and Kelly hooking up. And then having sex with their husbands. I think it might be all in the same room. But it, she was saying that they were then spiritually, sensually <laughs> with their husband, not with the opposite husband. Okay. Yeah. So Sabrina takes the sand, finally. This crack, this just killed me. They don't usually take the stand. Her lawyer wants her to take the stand because... Basically, she's so much dumber than Jonathan, and he wants what? the jury to hear that. Can we talk about what this is all about? Because the defense attorney probably says 15 times, she's not articulate. Yeah. She's not intelligent. He well, keeps saying, like, because, comparing her to Jonathan. Because he's trying just... to do a Svengali thing. That's the defense. She was totally tricked by this really smart genius kid. She didn't know what was going on. He uses big words. And he, so it's like on King of the Hill, you know, when Peggy kidnaps that girl from Mexico by accident because she doesn't Yes. Think. And so Hank is like, let her talk in Spanish so the judge can hear how good her Spanish is. And then she says Cinco de Mayo and stuff like that. And this judge That's is right. like, oh, it's clear you don't speak Spanish at all. That's why you couldn't have done this on purpose. And because you're an idiot. So is that same technique? I want to watch, watch that episode right now. <laughs> That's the technique that the, the lawyer is going for. He wants Kelly to sound dumb on the stand. So people will believe she's not the mastermind behind it. That Jonathan yeah. is the mastermind. 
So Sabrina takes the stand. She's super monotone, sedated. No, yes. And in the pictures we saw of her, she had her mouth open. She was partying, drinking alcohol, and screaming, woohoo! She's a woohoo girl. So she's on the stand saying that Rob was obsessed with porn and sex. And so she reached out to this young man, Jonathan, who would pray with her and fulfilled a different need in her. Then she says Jonathan controlled her by carrying his Bible with him. (laughs) And I didn't know she meant physically, like would he hold it up and wave it at her and she was uh, instantly subdued? (laughs) Like I'm like a dog with a spray bottle. Like, is that how she was controlled? I want it to be like that. I want him to be just immediate references to everything. Deuteronomy. Flipping it open, Flipping, that like, licking his finger and touching Ezekiel. the page. There's yeah. something about this in Ezekiel. I remember. <laughs> They're at Starbucks, and, and he's like, like "This oh is accurately God. represented in Leviticus right here." Um, is Leviticus something? Is that a real Leviticus one? Leviticus is a book. Uh, okay, so back to Sabrina. She has no idea that Jonathan killed Rob, according to her, and she was sad about her husband being dead, despite the fact that all of the texts were how happy she was with Jonathan and how quote super blessed she felt after the murder. I don't understand if she is seriously highly sedated because she has no fight in her because he I think says, they, I think he told her, I think the defense attorney coached her and said, this is how you need to act. You need to act dumb and don't talk a lot and talk slow. Yeah. She talked real slow. Yeah. And he says, well, it says on this text that you felt super blessed after the murder. And she says, well, I wasn't. That's her only, she does explain she didn't have permission to stray outside of the group for sex. And that's part of why she kept saying she had sinned and all of that. And I think when she said stray outside the group of friends, that she did kind of seem to out a lot of the rest of the wolf pack. To me, group of friends doesn't just mean Kelly and Jason. It means... Several other people. Oh, I'm sure it was several. So I'm sure that's what constituted the wolf pack. Yeah, but they won't talk about it. And they did appear on B-roll at up the lake, the wolf pack. But they never wanted to be interviewed. Yes. Yeah, I know. So I didn't know how comfortable they would be with Kelly and Jason talking about the sex. I mean, they had to talk about it because it came up and it was a big part of it. But I'm sure that they had made a pact within the wolf pack. They weren't gonna. Yeah, I think it was RJ on Twitter who kept calling it the sex pack. And yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. I just got it sit like a six pack. But it's a sex pack. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's funny, RJ. So the only time that she showed a little bit of fight on the stand, I thought, is when the prosecutor keeps saying, well, it seems like you're just controlled by men. You're controlled by your husband. You have to get permission. She said, no, he was my husband. And he says, well, you were just controlled by Jonathan. She says, no, I said Jonathan was controlling. Yeah. So she was showing her true colors in that moment. I thought so too. Because she had been so monotone. And then at that one point, she was shooting daggers at the prosecutor. She kind of breaks out of it a little bit. She did. And I felt like, so you're showing us that you totally could have control over Jonathan and could have told him what to do. Showing it a tiny bit. uh, The veneer is crumbling a little. So the prosecutor does his final speech. What's it called? Closing argument. Closing argument. To speech. And um, he gives his final audition. (laughs) (laughs) So he says this isn't a case of he said, she said. 
it's a case of he said she lied. And he is way too proud of himself. So happy. Dirt. It yeah, is on the PowerPoint thing. presentation overhead projector mm-hmm, for the jury mm-hmm. to see. And he even says, that's what I'm calling it. So that we know that he came up with that phrase. It's not that good, guy. So <laughs> It's okay. So Sabrina is convicted of first degree murder, conspiracy, accessory, solicitation to commit murder. The only thing she's not guilty of is the pudding murder plot. They don't think that she ever had this pudding in her fridge, I guess, or don't believe that. I don't, I don't know. So Kelly and Jason really miss Rob. Then we get what really was the OMG moment for me. Kelly and Jason are now divorced. What? I, I think like, I said what? I said I what? Upset. I yeah. said, I was rooting for you. We were all, we were rooting, all for rooting for you. For you. <laughs> and there's no explanation. I mean, you kind of just feel like it was the trial and the murder that tore them apart or the fact that I think Jason was in love with Rob maybe and a lot of people the sex pack a lot of people on Twitter think that Kelly was in love with Sabrina or in love with Rob so oh there was a there was a little bit about Kelly being in love with Rob yeah they did put her on the stand and say were you in love with Rob and she's like no but I liked him a lot more than Sabrina seemed to so she held her own, I thought, on the stand. She's so good. Yeah. yeah. She's the best. But uh, some people on Twitter thought she was in love with Sabrina. And, no. And I did not get that vibe at all. No, I don't think so. I think she was in love with Rob and was secretly hoping that maybe things would work out. Yeah. I think that's possible. So, I think Rob was probably pretty charismatic. I think Jason, I, I think gather. both Kelly and Jason were in, in a marriage together. They loved each other. They were friends, but they were both kind of in love with Rob. Yep. He's like the guy, the big man on campus. Yeah, he's the guy. Everyone yeah. loves him. The guys yep. and the girls love him. So the wolf pack still hangs out and they remember Rob, but it's not the same. They do have these stickers that are memorializing him. I don't know if you noticed in the stickers, he's shirtless yes, in the I photo. Did I did. I did notice. <laughs> and Cindy on Twitter noticed that, that the cop has the sticker above his desk in the cop station and she goes why does the cop have a shirtless picture of rob above his desk is everyone in love with rob (laughs) (laughs) that's just the sticker they use for his memorial but i don't know why he's shirtless in it so (sighs) that was pretty much my recap on this thanks for listening everybody and make sure to check out next saturday's installment of the mink files